Hello, beautiful beings. Welcome to the Village Medicine Podcast. Our sacred intention is to host a respectful and honest conversation among a diverse collective of healthcare practitioners and advocates. We explore health topics from a truly open and integrative medical approach. I am Dr. Tara Shelby, Medical Director of Village Medicine Seattle. I am here today with our spiritual director and the one and only Shar Sundust. We'd also like to welcome family physician Dr. Carrie Rose to our conversation today. Special thanks to Camellia Jade, our fantastic audio engineer. Today's podcast topic is all about sleep. We are really excited to host the inspiring Dr. Lena Fine. She received her undergraduate degree in neuroscience from Harvard University. She then attended graduate school for a master's in philosophy at Cambridge University. From there, she went on to medical school, of course, at Tel Aviv University. And following medical school, she completed her fellowship in sleep medicine at Cornell University. Welcome, powerhouse. Thank you for having me. (laughs) <laughs> so th- how did you get into medicine? Who are you? How'd this happen? So I've, um, I came to medicine, obviously, roundabout way. I have been, was really interested in history and philosophy and human stories. And I think I came into um, history and philosophy um, more interested in human stories than, than in, in theory. So I uh, rerouted and went to medical school and really loved, um, couldn't decide whether I wanted to do neurology or psychiatry, did both, and then tried to figure out what to do with my neurology, psychiatry uh, residencies. And sleep was a really natural transition to train in sleep in order to sort of integrate brain and mind, because sleep is really both of that. Amazing. So tell us, what are the questions you always get about sleep? And what do you think are some of the most underappreciated areas of of treatment when it comes to sleep? What do you believe? Well, I think sleep is, um, we don't look at sleep holistically enough. And I think we all have very rigid preconceptions about the function of sleep. I think um, because we all can sleep or not sleep, um, somehow it's assumed we all grow up with certain assumptions and we really carry them through life. And it's very hard to change those assumptions, such as go to bed at a certain time, wake up at a certain time. And I think that the more we learn about sleep, the more we know that we cannot all be sleeping by prescription. Not everyone sleeps at the same time and not everyone sleeps the same amount of time. And I think there's been a lot of interest about sleep and about how much we need to sleep. And I think um, there are a lot of myths about how much we need to sleep and when we need to sleep. Tell us, tell us. It's interesting. So I think the first thing that I often get, well, don't we all need seven to eight hours of sleep? And that is certainly um, a useful number. But one needs to remember that that's an average. And that is the number that was derived from epidemiological studies. So thousands and thousands of people were looked at. And those thousands and thousands of people, it was found that in that giant cohort People who slept fewer than five, six hours and people who slept more than nine hours seem to be sicker one way or another. However, within that window of six to nine, lots and lots of people fell within that window. So the question is, well, do you need six or do you need nine? And the answer is, it's up, it's up to how you're doing. If There are people who function beautifully on six and there are people who function beautifully on nine. And um, I think that 
for those people who struggle with sleep, I would just say, relax and stop chasing the seven, eight. Just like not all of us need to eat exactly the same thing, we can't all sleep exactly the same amount. Beautiful. What do you think are some of the most common misconceptions about sleep? Well, the duration of sleep is one and the timing of sleep is another one. You know, all of us sleep according to our circadian rhythms. So we all have a particular biological clock with which we are born. And we are born being a little bit more of a night owl, a little bit more of the lark, or somewhere in the middle. And I think that there's a huge misconception about when the person needs to go to sleep. And there's a lot of uh, belief that sleep earlier in the night is magically better and morally better. But unfortunately, um, for people who are more of a night owls, people who are later to sleep, they get um, kind of left in the cold because, because they seem to be judged as people who are not getting the right kind of sleep, the right time of sleep. But we now know that people actually sleep at all different times. And when you sleep um, is usually the result of your genetic predisposition. And forcing one to sleep in a different time from their natural circadian rhythm can produce anxiety, insomnia, and many, many, many problems until we, until that person lets go of that misconception. Oh my God, that's really quite amazing. I remember studies that you ha- if people that go to sleep by 10 o'clock every night are less likely to have anxiety and depression, and you're kind of blowing that all, the, all out of the water. And yeah, actually a so. lot of creative types tend to stay up late and work really, really well yeah. at night. And they are very productive and they do their best work. You know, there is um, a difference when we talk about adults and children. Children probably need more sleep earlier in the night because of the amount of growth hormone and timing of the growth hormone. But as we grow older and you know, the levels of growth hormones go, go down and it's not as relevant, um, the timing becomes more related to our um, function, their creativity, our productivity. And one should really respect that. You know, Nobel Prize in 2017 was won for the uh, delineation of circadian rhythms. So let's go back and let's let's reestablish respect for circadian rhythms. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Establish respect. It's really Mm -hmm. important. And does that change from season to season? Like I think about circadian rhythms. Mm-hmm. I think about, well, yeah. shouldn't I be all snuggled up in my Yeah, that's a great cave? question. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, light is our probably most powerful stimulus. And, you know, when people have trouble sleeping, that is the one natural thing that that really matters and can be manipulated to improve people's sleep. You know, um, the uh, exposure to blue light, This is not about not using your digital devices. Again, some people get quite sleepy after they, you know, read their Kindles or they read their, um, you know, um, tablets. However, um, it's the manipulation of light, both in our environment and as well as in our digital devices, that makes a difference to our circadian rhythms. So to answer your question directly, yes, absolutely, um, that in the winter... People who sort of live by their natural environmental light do get drowsy sooner, and peop- and then in the summer they get drowsy later. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot. You know, the the transitional times are tricky. The fall and the spring tend to be the times that get it gets really confusing because the duration um, 
of the obviously the day the day gets uh, longer or shorter and that can really throw off people's circadian rhythms and their moods it's one of those uh, very uh, tenuous times for people who do suffer from a mood disorder mm-hmm. as well yeah. I'm curious uh, also if uh, one of the things that I was taught is it's like the little death so we go to sleep every night and every night we die and then in the morning we are we awake and we come back to life again and it's like muerto pequeño like the little death you know so and i think that there's something about with our dying that there's a letting go like a surrender do you find that in your work that is there a difficulty in letting go with people who are having more difficulty with the sleepers, there may be a fear of death or, I don't know, just a curiosity. I think that, um, you know, sleep is is a natural function, but it's almost, ironically, it's a function over which we don't have a lot of control. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> perhaps very inelegantly, I would compare it to going to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> Letting I go in say, a real, very real sense. I would sense. say that it's really um, similar in that sense that we, um, you know, you need to, you can prepare, you can, you can really, you know, you can have a healthy diet, you can drink a lot of water, but you can't really make yourself go to the bathroom. Your body has to take care of it, mm-hmm. and I, I think sleep is just like that. It's something that you, um, you really need to take care of yourself in every sense. But then you have to allow the body to take over. And I think that is the, one of the most difficult um, thing for oh, sleep is, yeah. is you, can, you can create the correct environment. You can, you, can, you can eat at the right time. You can not eat something or not drink alcohol or do things. You can exercise. But the, the idea of that you've done all of that and now you have to step away and allow the body to take over. Sort of like you can get to the train station, and you do have to get to the train station to catch the train, but <laughs> until the train arrives, all you can do is sort of look out. And I think, I think that that's the right. hardest bit for people who struggle to, to allow themselves, well, I guess the train is not arriving for another hour, so I'm going to have to wait. The waiting, sort of not forcing yourself to, to, to try to do something for someone, especially someone who is very disciplined, someone who says, well, you know, tell me what to do or, um, and I'll do it. It's very, but um, not doing sometimes is harder than doing. And that's, I think, sometimes is the, is the missing secret ingredient <laughs> to the right. anxiety about sleep. Oh, yeah. yeah. How do we wait for the train to arrive in our bodies? Uh, we, we, we do, we, well, first you have to get to the station, you got to pack your bags, you've got to, <laughs> and I really would take that metaphor, you know, you've got to, you've got to eat well and early enough, you've got to exercise, you do have to put, um, you know, your mind is at ease as much as that's feasible, so that, those are all the steps that get you a little closer to the train station. But I think, and so, but once you're there, the, the hardest part, you know, we always talk about, people talk about sleep hygiene. Well, I go to bed at the same time and I get up at the same time, but when I go to bed, I'm not actually not able to fall asleep. Well, maybe it's because um, you've gotten there prematurely. Maybe you need to get there a little bit later. And that feeds into that whole point. Well, do you really need to be in bed for eight hours? If if routinely uh, one falls asleep at um, 12 um, and they lie in bed for two hours, it's a really hard 
hard thing for all of us to get used to the idea that, well, maybe I should go to bed at 11.30. Maybe I should not force myself to go to bed at 10, even though it looks really good on paper, uh, really looks good. And so so, um, so there is no way to rush the train. The only thing you can do is, is to sort of be kindly, be kind to yourself to wait there and be at ease with it and be peaceful and then wait for the train. There's no, no other way. Wow. I have so many questions about yeah. naps and medicine <laughs> oh, yes. and apnea. Oh, yes. Uh, you know. And I want to be respectful of the time. Sure. So naps. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think of, um, I always, you know, naps are not are wonderful if the person can fall asleep at night. I think naps are incredibly restorative. It sharpens uh, people's cognitive skills. Um, naps, however, um, so let me step back. Nap, when you wake up in the morning, from the moment you wake up in the morning um, to the moment you go to bed, you're building up a giant urge to sleep. The longer mm. your eyes are open, the longer you want to build. It's, it's called the sleep drive. And the sleep drive is... I compare it to a snowball. The um, the you know you start with a tiny snowball, and as it rolls down the hill of your daily activities, it builds up and becomes huge. Well, every time you take a nap, you're taking a bite out of the snowball. You you're making you're making yourself less urgently needing sleep, yeah. which is why for people who have trouble getting to sleep, naps can be. Um, can be deleterious. That's it. But for people who sleep well, naps are wonderful. Um, you know, I think one of the big areas is for people who say, well, I'm listening to this, but, you know, I don't have any trouble falling asleep, but I wake up. Mm -hmm. yes. And often you see that a lot um, in women going through, you know, who are perimenopausal, who are going through hormonal changes. So um, often that's a very challenging um, time of the night is not falling asleep. Uh, but waking up and struggling to get back to sleep, and um, there, there is, there's no again, there's no secret ingredient there. But I think we apply to the same approach, the same idea of trying to go, maybe shifting times of the um, going to bed, trying to find um, ways to use guided visual imagery to try to use um, sort of other approaches. And knowing, yes, I'm going to wake up and I will be ready that I may be awake for an hour, but then I will have my second sleep. Mm -hmm. I will go back to sleep. So it is a, it is a, it is a, you know, a shift in the way we think about sleep in the way we sort of respect sleep. This is a loaded question, but yeah. sleep meds. What do you think about all the medication and all the demand we have as physicians to prescribe them? with how it's affecting our brain. What do you believe? It would be absolutely best not to take. Bottom line, even though I am a prescriber of sleep medicines, I would say avoiding medication as much as possible. And really, the data, if you look at the guidelines, there was a big, big um, paper sort of on guidelines on using sleep, sleep, aid, sleep aids um, by the Academy of Sleep Medicine. And the bottom line there is no good evidence that shows that there, the medications are sufficiently effective and safe to use. That said, uh, many, 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 you know, millions of people would swear that they really work. But the, the bottom line is 
that they probably, none of them, very few of them have been really tested long term. So we don't know the long term effect. And we also don't know, well, we do know the effect on uh, people over 65 and the fact that uh, sleeping aids can can have um, greater side effects in people who are older. So the bottom line, um, avoiding them uh, and using them only in very brief intense situations if someone had a sudden loss of really terrible stress having a sleeping aid may be extremely important but finishing it after the stress um, was is finished is just as important and we often talk about starting but we don't talk enough about stopping the medications because people become very dependent and it's hard to get off of sleep medication. Yes. And it is really, I think the conversation with every medication should, you know, include the plan for finishing it. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Muy bien. I'm like, I know you have to go. I'm like, I, you're coming back like next month and we're going to, I'm going to have a million questions because literally I texted you yesterday afternoon. I was like, Hey, can you come? Oh, that's great. I know. Oh, my God, I love it. Isn't it? This is, like, so juicy. Did mm-hmm. you have questions? Um, you know, I had one, and I forgot what it was now. But um, but I am – well, I'm curious. Like, how, so I, you must see a ton of people who, like, their schedule and their sleep just do not match up. You know, like, their work schedule. They have to be to work at a certain time, and they're a night owl. Or, you know, what, whatever it is. I mean, that's just – we say that all the time. Like, what do you tell people in that situation? Well, um, if they're um – um, software engineers they're lucky because they do get to get flexible schedules but <laughs> but, but, but uh, what, what we do is well um, people who are who are unable to make accommodations at work we shift you know most commonly it's people who have trouble waking up in the morning but they have to wake up at six or seven and they have this condition called you know, condition with sleep inertia they really have trouble getting up in the morning so we shift we talk about we use light in the morning we try to shift the, the schedule gradually so the body will tell them you know it is you always get sleep at 12 30 well now you're getting sleepy at 12 at midnight uh, and then maybe you're getting sleepy a little bit so we try to shift them with manipulation of light um sh- night workers it's really hard because mm-hmm. it is not natural you know someone who is who works um you know icu shift a nurse who works in icu shift and there's just no choice for her to work any other shift um it is very hard um i think that's the most challenging because we know that um night work is it's really difficult for, for the body. Um, so usually we try to switch the person completely and keep them in the switched uh, mode with, you know, using certain types of glasses at work, uh, getting light exposure, you know, just taking certain. So we, 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 we play with the circadian rhythm as much as their genetic mm-hmm. makeup will allow us. But it's, it's tricky. And when you say light prescription, are you talking about like getting sunlight at a certain time of day? And, Correct. And Low blocking, light box, yeah. Blocking using, blue light. Using a, a um, light box or using um, blue blocking either software or glasses or devices that would allow them to block that blue exposure at a time that may be close to their bedtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
well, I have a really cute pair that my neighbors know if they come over at 9 o'clock, they are on every night. Are you wearing blue blocker oh, Yes, Good I have the you. big, th- I, for like years now, it's yes. like, I'm, I might still be charting, but I will have my, like, the big intense blue blockers on. It makes a huge difference, I it's can tell. Very, it's very, uh, um, I was at a conference last um um, last year, and there was this little study from Prague. I thought it was just fun to get that this guy was from Prague. He was presenting mm-hmm. a poster where they just gave blue blockers to older people, and they just told them just wear them for thirty minutes every night. They 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 didn't tell them TV, no TV, don't turn down lights, no. And what they um, no sorry not thirty two two hours. They had to wear them for two hours. Their their bedtime moved up or moved to an earlier by 30 minutes. Wow. It was a small study, but I thought it was a really nifty little um, study where we know that it's helpful, but someone actually went on and measured it. And awesome well dr fine you're pretty fine and we <laughs> promise to come back and talk to us more all about sleep yeah, I'd, I'd love a to look at this more you know i'm unstoppable yes you are <laughs> no, it's, uh, Truly. but thank you for having me and asking these extremely important questions mm. yay can't wait to hear more yeah what thank a gift you. thank you so much thank you what a pleasure so to end this little mini podcast Shar, can you please Read for us a prescriptive poem for sleep or for us to fall asleep thinking about. Mm. This is very, very poignant. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, the, the muerto pequeño, uh, so, or the, the little death or the going surrender. Uh, but this is Nancy Wood, and it's hold on to what is good. And hold on to what is good, even if it is a handful of earth. Hold on to what you believe, even if it is a tree which stands by itself. Hold on to what you must do, even if it is a long way from here. Hold on to life, even when it is easier to let go. And hold on to my hand, even when I have gone away from you. Sleep tight, everyone. Blessing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Village Medicine Podcast. To learn more about our clinic, check us out, villagemedicineseattle.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Village Medicine Seattle or on Instagram at Village Medicine.